Welcome to Theology in the Dirt, where we try to practice our theology at home and in the public square of our city and our world. Your hosts are Keith Thompson and Mitchell Jolly. Theology in the Dirt is produced by Chris Hayes, and the artwork is by Kayla Sanner. All right. Good day, Keith. How are you? Good morning. Good. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we are today. Uh, we're continuing. Uh, we've been talking about uh, on Sunday mornings at our church. We're talking about the church. And so we're following that up on Theology in the Dirt on unpacking some of this content. And uh, today we're talking about the gospel um, as one of the indicators, the message we preach of, of what a church is, how you measure. And is this church legitimate? What are they preaching? Well, hopefully they're preaching the gospel. So we're going to kick our time off today by uh, making a statement. I'm going to confess first and foremost, I've been guilty of saying this. I've been guilty of saying this uh, during my time as founder uh, and pastor, one of the pastors of Three Rivers Church, and by God's grace, have been graciously corrected. Um, and so I think here's the statement. So Keith, let's, uh, let's unpack it. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Yes. So why is that wrong? Yeah, it's the it's the the, the nature of um, of ideas is that the one of the one of the most sinister things about um, misleading people is is that there's a statement that's got a lot so much truth in it. Right. But ultimately, it falls flat under scrutiny. So. Right. Yeah. Sure. Um, we, we definitely want to preach the gospel at all times, and we, we definitely want to do it with our lives. The, the, the saying basically means, look, if you live in such a way um, and you're behaving in such a way right. that the world recognizes that you're different, you will never have to tell them the gospel. Right. Your life will just tell them everything they need to know. Well, the right. truth is that's, that's not right. Yeah. At some point, people need information. That's like, right. It's the why you're acting like this that matters. Yeah. So um, we want to we want to preach the gospel at all times, and we want to use words <laughs> every time. <laughs> That's right. Because Jesus came as the Word in flesh. That's right. The That's exactly revelation right. has been given to us That's in right. words. Um, Christians are people of the Word. Yeah. Right. That's right. I think one of the things that fuels that statement, and I confess, I actually don't know who originally said that, that floats around in pop Christian culture, and I believe that's attributed to somebody who's really famous. Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And that's right. But people say that it really, that doesn't even belong to him, but he's the one that I saw at first as belonging to him. Yeah. There you go. That's it. And I think where that comes from a lot in our context is... Um, it appeals to this idea that we've been so marginalized for so long uh, that somehow we need to, in our acting, in our doing, mm-hmm. be gospel people. So I think the intent is not nefarious, but right. the content is clearly off base mm-hmm. because God's a communicator. He's a speaker. And the message is words that that has to be spoken. Yeah, it's a very... The, the gospel, we'll talk about this here in a second, but the gospel is a very specific message. Right. It's special revelation to us. It is. It's not something that you could just observe the world and get to. Right. It's a very specific um, arrival of information about our, the world, not the world that we sort of can 
sort of see around us and figure out it's the world that is, the world that God created, and it's a very specific message yeah. about, um, yeah, about yeah. good news, That's right. things that are coming. That's right. So let's run across some things the gospel is not. And I'm sure we, okay. we could have a long list of what the gospel is not. But let's say first, the gospel is not that God loves me and loves me just like I am. Yeah. And wants me to just be me. Yeah. Right. And again, is God that does, bad? God does love me. Yeah, He does. Um, he 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 does. Uh, he does love me in the sense that He knows the person I can be, the right. person He created me to be. Right. But again, uh, we, you know, there's this uh, theological world word called that's uh, ontology. Right. It's a It's about dealing with things that are. Right. Right. Things that it's it's the being. It's like who I am. At the core of me, right, right, right. and ontology always trumps autonomy. That's one of um, Albert Moeller's sayings. He basically right. says, "Look, who you are trumps who it is that you claim you want to be." Right. As believers in a world that God created with truth, right, there are um, there are things that are just true. I don't get to go. I don't like gravity. Therefore, I'm going to ignore it. Right. Everybody knows that's silly. Right. You will suffer the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, there is a thing that that's called gravity, and I have to sort of line myself up to it, or I'll suffer. Um, God loves me just like He created me to be, and right. He's going to push me and require me to fall into to be consistent with mm. those statements about who I am that I find really in the scriptures. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So it's true God loves me, mm-hmm. right? But uh, we're going to discover later when we talk about the gospel, as I currently am is 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 not enough. No. Right? He does love me, but uh, as I am, yeah. there's, I, there's a problem. I have a standing before God yeah. that we'll talk about in a minute that, that matters the most. And he... Um, no matter, I do. I, there are things that I do that are lovable. That's right. But that doesn't guarantee me that that's I'm right. going to ultimately um, fall into God's favor. Yeah, that's in right. In the sense that most people would believe the statement, "God's loved me just as I am." Right. And that's it. I find it interesting. I had this. I actually said this to a person the other day. They saw a shirt I was wearing. I wore it Sunday. KDSC. Yeah. It's a conversation starter. It's a tool. It's not the tool. It's just a tool. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, K is the gospel of the kingdom. And so I was tempted, and I don't know why this is, and maybe I'm not the only person, to stop with God loves you. Because mm-hmm. that's not really... I mean, that's perfectly acceptable. Oh, yeah. The question is, who is that God? Why does God love me? And why don't I know that? And you start answering those questions. Well, God loves me gets a little deeper and a little more uncomfortable. And 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 then I start wondering, well, geez, how, how are you going to respond to that? Yeah. <laughs> and then that, I just want to stop with God loves you. That ultimately is the question. <laughs> that we have, that's when we remind ourselves the right. Holy Spirit's in play here. Yeah, that's The right. Holy Spirit is definitely working in the hearts of believers and when the, when the or works in the hearts of people. Right. And when the gospel message is iterated or it's spoken, the Holy Spirit is going to either turn lights on or turn lights off. Right. There's no reason in the world that a rebellious human being that wants to do what I want to do and naturally can be sort of selfish is going to be willing to hear, God loves you, but God also has certain requirements of you. Yeah. And there's a, there's a world that is that, that yep. you're going to have to line up with. That's right. And there's a, there's a sense in which if you completely reject him, right. 
you're going to be in trouble. Yeah, that's good. Uh, there's a guy who we, we mutually respect, a guy named Brad Poston, who used mm-hmm. to say, you know, ask the question, is your gospel truncated? Mm. And I had to look at what truncated meant, right? <laughs> <laughs> but this idea yeah. of shortened, it's cut off. It's not, it's not complete. Mm. And God loves me is a truncated message. Mm-hmm. It's not complete. It's not untrue. It's just not complete. Right. Okay, so um, what about uh, the gospel is not God is love? Yeah, that sort of falls on the, on the footsteps of that one. God mm-hmm. is love, but love, as we've talked about on this podcast, God, love has a definition. Yes. Love has a, um, it has a, a real meaning, and it's defined by the scriptures, and it's defined by the God. It's defined by the God of the scriptures mm-hmm. and the God of creation. So um, God is love. But he's love based on a certain definition of love. Yeah, that's good. What the gospel is not, God wants to be my friend. <laughs> yeah, God was Abraham's friend. Yeah. Um, and he, he can be my friend in a sense. But uh, again, it, definitions matter. What does it mean to you right. uh, for, the, for God to be your friend? Yeah. And um, uh, you know, most of these, what most of these do is they... they make sure that we feel good about ourselves right. when we're thinking about the good news. The good news is coming. The gospel is coming to you right. so that you can gain something that makes you feel good. Yeah, that's right. right. And if I, if God will be my friend, yeah. well, shoot, yeah, man, I'm a, that's, that's great, and I'll accept that and I'll embrace that. But right. Right. if you're going to start talking about stuff that's hard for me, I... Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now, just kind of on the side, my light reading. <laughs> it's, a, it's a missiological book on, on decontextualization. Mm. It's the idea of, um, um, of backing my contextual presuppositions out of the message uh, and allowing just the purity of the mm. message to land and let the hearer begin to put these things on it. And one of those, I think, we want to say God wants to be our friend. Jesus can be a friend of sinners. But when we start doing that, we're defining friend, mm-hmm. what a friend is, and there's a lot of assumptions in play there. Yeah. So it's not that that's untrue. It's just it's it's contextualized to where we are, right. and and it can read things on that may or may not be helpful to a person who's receiving this message who may not be Christianized or raised mm-hmm. in a Christian context or have an understanding of what that means. Not untrue, but again, it's not yeah. complete either. It's not defined. It's the thing we, we just say over and over and over again. These words mean something, and right. the only way we can identify, well, what does friend mean then? Right. Can it mean one thing to you and one thing to me? And we can all have our own definition. Well, in a real world, it can't. There, there, there is the, the the word has meaning. Right. And what we're trying to say, goodness yeah. gracious, over and over and over again, is that we have to define words like friend and love by the scriptures. Yeah, that's good. That's right. That's right. So the last one uh, that we'll talk about because we really want to get to what the gospel mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. The gospel is not that God is going to make everything new. He's going to completely recreate everything, make it new. The yeah. gospel is not that. It's not just that. Right. It's not just that, right? <laughs> Again, um, the good news, the gospel is that um, is, is, uh, we're going we're gonna to talk in a second about what it is. Right. But yeah, there's way more to the story than things are going to be made new. That's right. That's encouraging. That's definitely something that yeah. will sell yeah. to the masses. That's right. That uh, everything that you see around you kind of feels broken and, and um, for various reasons. And the, the good news is that God is going to make it all new again. That's right. Sort of. 
Yeah. Yeah, sort That's of. good. All right, you just said good news, right? Yeah. So we were talking a little bit ago, good mm-hmm. news. We, we used the word gospel, and you said good news, and we talked beforehand what the gospel is not. And you mentioned earlier liking the language good news. Yeah. Talk about why you like that versus how we use the word gospel. Uh, so, you know, you read the, if you're, if you're reading the, the, um, the original language here, we're, we're hearing the word in Greek that essentially is translated literally as good news, mm-hmm. right? So we, the, the, the speakers and the hearers in the original languages, when the, we, we read over a word, yeah. the gospel, would have heard good news. That's what would have popped into their mind. It wasn't some specific version of good news. Right. It was literally, hey, I've got good news. That's right. And I, I looked at this, and you know, you it, when that original Greek word gets translated over into Old English, it's Godspell. Yeah. And gods are, are basically, essentially, God or G O D. The word G O D is good. Right. And then spell. Right. Is news, and so the, it it did get translated literally originally originally into right. English as good news. That's right. But then when Old English became regular English, English it, it hung on to Godspell, which became gospel. That's right. So now gospel is this thing. It's capitalized. Yep. If you're writing it, at least at my seminary, you're supposed to put a capital G. Right. It's a very specific thing, which in that sense is good. Yeah. Because when I say God's gospel to you, yeah. you know I'm talking about a very particular kind of good news. That's right. But I think it's better in conversational English. For me, if, I, if I'm going to try to share with you who are a secular person, if right. I'm going to say to you, look, I've just listened to you on an airplane seat tell me about how things are kind of sideways in your life right now. It's better for me, I think, to say, hey, there's right. the gospel. Right. That person's going to go, huh? Yeah, what's that? Yeah. What makes <laughs> right. more sense for me is to say, hey, yeah. I think yeah. that there's some good news in all of that. Yeah, that's good. That person then's going to go, well, let's <laughs> hear me. it. I need some good yeah. news, right? Let's yeah. hear the good news. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. See, I, I, I completely agree. I think particularly uh, contextually because it, we, we live in a subculture. Yeah. And that subculture uses that word gospel and assumes way too much. Mm-hmm. Yes. It assumes way too much by the fact that we even can articulate what it's not uh-huh. in pop culture language that we hear from people yeah. that say that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And by taking it and making sense of it by saying good news, it makes us ask a few questions. Mm-hmm. Well, what is this good news? And, 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 and then that's the question. What is it, right? Yeah. What is this good news? Well, let's I, I, let's look at Galatians three eight because right. it, it's it's a passage that forced me early on in my journey in the faith to ask questions about the good news because it wasn't some of these things that we said it's not. Yeah. I heard the will of God. God loves me. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good, good, good. When I read Galatians three eight, I said that has nothing to do with this. In fact, it sent me on a little bit of a trip um, because it's not what I thought it was going to be. Galatians 3.8 And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, the first thing that flipped me out about that is God preached and then God preached the gospel. The gospel. Yeah, before Matthew, that's, Mark, that's, Luke, that's and John. New Testament. Yeah, yeah. The, the good news is a New Testament thing, right? I've got my, yeah, Abraham's in the New Testament. I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, totally confused, right? And he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. How in the world 
Is that the good news? Yep. So uh, the good news to Abraham at that point in, in history was that God had had made made some was making some promises to Abraham right. about what was going to happen to the people, and you know Abraham Abram or Abraham was not in a position to necessarily look around him and say all is well. Abram knew there was there was brokenness. He knew there was a problem. Right. Um, and and God is telling him, look, there there's going to be a way in which I'm going to bless you. Yeah. I'm going to bless you. You're going to have. You're going to become a people. Right. You're going to have a land. Right. You're going to have a, a house. Right. Sort of like a. Um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're going to have a kingdom almost yeah. Yeah. that's going to be built through yeah. you. That's right. And uh, it's it's glorious. It's going to be glorious, and it's going to affect everyone on earth. Right. That's great news. That's fantastic. I mean, if you're Abram, yeah, having come through what he's come from, he's left a. He's traveled a long, long way. He's left a, a people who were essentially idol worshippers. A barren wife. A barren wife, <laughs> and uh, and man, there's yeah. I mean, that's and you're going to make a kingdom out of me. You're going to make a kingdom out of me. That is right. that's not you know to say well that was the gospel to Abraham. It makes more sense to me that that was the good news that Abraham needed to hear. That's right. It's really the good news that the world that's needed right. to hear. But it, in the very real sense, that is the gospel that we know That's right. in the New Testament. That's exactly right. Well, what it does is it forces me to realize the message has never changed. I have to ask questions. Well, who is this God? Hmm. And why did he have to share good news with Abraham? What was the bad news? Mm-hmm. Right? And... And 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 so you mean to tell me it's it's bigger than just Abraham? It's it's bigger than his tribe. Mm-hmm. It's the, all the families of the earth. And that makes me start asking some key questions. And when I start asking those key questions, what begins to emerge is what we talked about last week: the meta narrative mm-hmm. of this gospel message. Yeah. It makes me see that this is not just um, this isn't a get out of hell quick scheme. Mm-hmm. This is a Total framework for reframing how I see absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. Abram um, was told that the, the the world is going to be blessed. Well, the question is, why does the world need to be blessed? Is the world not okay? <laughs> yeah, he has, is. What's wrong with the world? Yeah, I mean, Abram's like, look, I realize my life is is not going like I'd hoped. Yeah, but why why does the world? need a message. Surely the world's okay. It's just that my world's not. Right. Why can't these other gods bless the world? Mm-hmm. Who do you think you are? Yeah. Right? And so all this stuff starts emerging and you're going, holy cow. Well, then who is this God? Mm-hmm. And what is what is the bad news that's there that tells me there needs to be a blessing of good news for everybody else? You start answering those questions, you got the message Jesus yeah. preached, right? So we talked about this a while back we, when we were talking about biblical theology and some other things, answering these big life questions. Where did right. all this come from? Um, what was its purpose? What's going wrong? What's the solution? Where is it going? Right. What, uh, what do you think? So in the, our, we, have, <clears throat> we live in a—it's not an utterly unique time in human history, but it is fairly unique in the last couple hundred years right. that human beings have actually answered the question, what's gone wrong in the world? Right. And what is the answer? Right. It's, it's sort of new. Right. Um, what does what does the the typical secular person um, might think? What's wrong with the world? Or I mean, how? What do you think? Yeah. The conversations I have with people, their opinion about what's wrong with the world starts with 
Uh, it starts with a, an understanding of systems. It mm-hmm. usually goes to politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to do with um, them biology, mm-hmm. right? So, so people are people are they die, their sickness, or they're bad leaders. Mm-hmm. But it never progresses past that. Yeah. They simply live in that present sense. I mean, if they have some sense of history, they might mm-hmm. trace it back to a particularly poor leader. Uh, but usually it's in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's got bad leadership or bad systems or, yeah. or people die, they're diseased. We've got the coronavirus. Yeah. We've got Ebola. We've got all these things, right? So, yeah. so they see there's a problem in the world, but it's not traced further back than usually their immediate right. circumstance. And, and the answers generally are in, we have the answers within ourselves. Yes. Like yes. We, this, this notion of... Um, the theological doctrine of the fall right. that we talked about. There's creation, there's the fall right. where everything changed. Right. As a result of the fall, there's then redemption and eventually restoration. That's God's That's right. over the, the meta-narrative, meta we called it. Well, this, this um, all human beings experience this fall. Everybody, right. secular people, religious people, recognize right. the world's broken. Right. And... The secular folks these days feel like the world's broken because we just haven't evolved far enough. But we're getting there. That's right. We're, we're actually there. progressing to some better state, yeah. right? Yeah, and so we got the answers. I mean, yeah. we, we are enlightened men and women these days. Right. Um, and so well, the Savior in that scenario is time. Exactly. Right? The, the, what saves me in that worldview is just time is going to get us yeah. there. Right. And so people who say they're not religious, they don't they don't believe in right. a God. Yeah, well, well time and chance really yeah. is their God. Time and chance is the solution, it's the it's the it's the entity right. that's gonna provide for us right. the answers to these problems. Yeah. And for now, with with humanism sort of being the the the, the religion of the day, right. would, folks would not even say it's religious, some of them. But the answer is humans. Right. We are the answer. We've got the answer. We have enough information right. to make our world ordered and lead to human flourishing. But we've got to get the information out there. So we, if we just through education right. and through the setting up of certain systems and institutions, we can bring ourselves by our own bootstraps right. to a place where all these problems will go away. Yeah. That's all we need. We need to get the information out. Right. If someone acts poorly, right. If someone makes what uh, you'd never use the word sin, but if somebody does something right. that they shouldn't do, defined by some so- right. societal standards, right. It wasn't because they were selfish or because they were bad in right. of themselves. It's because they just didn't know. They didn't know. So we need to make them know. So we've got to help them yeah. by educating them. It's a, it creates a it creates a um a, a view of. Prison systems, sure. It creates a view of yeah. of rehabilitation, that kind of thing. Yeah. That would make you lean toward let's just get these guys the information. Yeah. Well, let me go down a rabbit hole for a second right. here, because this is totally off script for a All second. Right. But if if you're coming out of that worldview, right, you're you're seeing this maybe an evolutionary worldview mm-hmm. and and it's and it's uh chance and time. The this is communism birthed out of this worldview 
as a method of speeding up sociologically this process to yes. move us toward this utopia. Right. So you're talking about a prison system. You're talking about education. That was the whole dialectical materialism of Marx, right? right? So you have, and probably blue people, they probably don't want to hear dialectical materialism, <laughs> but this idea of a, of a thesis and an antithesis. Yeah. And you create the conflict, and the stronger will dominate the weaker, and, and you do so by either imprisoning them or killing them. And in prison, they learn and they come out and they're part of the solution. Yeah. Or you just kill them and move on and the strong survive and we move forward. So, so to, I mean, to a great degree, are we taking a more gentle view of the dialectic by saying if we just teach them a little more, we can help them in their evolutionary process and they're yeah. going to be better for it and then we're going to move toward a great humanity. It most definitely is. I mean, it, that logic is definitely Marxist logic. And Marx isn't the one who came up with it. Right. He's just the one who was able to sort of get it together into a system right. that people would listen to and go, yeah, that, that, that's right. I mean, if, you, if you buy into evolution, yeah. it makes sense to you that the stronger would dominate the weak. Right. But that's okay because it's better for them. Yeah, yeah. The weak need to die off. The weak need to either die off or they need to be imprisoned so that they can be enlightened. Yeah. So that then they could they could move on and, and sort of see the world rightly and we can move forward because human being the good news for human beings is that we've been around for yeah. for thousands and thousands of years and all those years and all that chance and all that time yeah. has has caused us to climb the mountain. Yeah. That's right. I mean we're I mean, just be thankful right. that you're here now and you weren't here 500 years ago or 5,000 years ago. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, this evolutionary process, man, is getting us there. It's wonderful. That's and, right. Um, and we know that although our world right now in the West is, has forgotten so much of the history, but they're buying into this notion that right. um, that that humans can get this and. And a certain group of humans are the ones that really need to... Right. Yeah, so... Right. Well, even biblically speaking, the Bible flips that idea on its head when it speaks about, you know, James talks about that it's the poor and the weak of the world who are rich in faith Mm -hmm. and that... And that it's not necessarily the product of education. I mean, it doesn't mean education is bad. Education is very good. It's one of God's tools and instruments Mm -hmm. of us learning to know Him better, which is the end of education. It should lead us to know God better, not to move towards some evolutionary utopia. But but the Bible turns that on its head in the gospel of the, the good news of the kingdom and that it values poverty of self mm. seeing myself as less it values less than because it's those people that James says are rich in faith right yeah so at, at, at as we sort of talk through um, what what you know the, the scientists would call a, a right anthropology or a right view of, of mankind right the the biblical worldview is very different. The, the reason we need good news from a biblical standpoint is because not just the world is broken, but we yeah. are broken. Me, individually, I'm broken. Yeah. Um, when the fall happened, there's this thing, original sin, right. kind of comes into the world. And as I'm born, I'm born with a tendency toward right. sin. That's right. I'm not an individual that if you'll just kind of get me into the right situation... I'll, all the goodness in me right. will come out. Sure, I'm, I'm born in the image of God, and in that, I, there, there's good in me. But right. the, the biblical view of man is that we're sinners. That's right. We, we will choose 
to live in a way that's contrary to the way God created us to live. That's right. And in light of that, we're separated from Him. Yeah. God is righteous. He's perfect. Yeah. He's offended by our sin. Yeah. There's got to be a reconciliation between God and man because our sin right. has separated us from our only hope in the world. Yeah, that's right. Therefore, we need we need some good news. Yeah, we need some we need some really good news because that separation implies then that I'm under God's not happy with me. Yeah. And uh, in, in fact, it's not just that he's ambivalent. In fact, he's angry. There's wrath. There's wrath. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the day you eat of it, you will die. And so there's a sentence that has been passed, and that sentence is death and no longer in fellowship. And there's some serious problem here. So the, this bad news, before we get to this good news, is that there is a God. He's clear on who he is. He's clear on who we are. We have rebelled against him. We're sinners, and we're under condemnation. That's, that's some really bad news. Yeah. That might explain why I do what I do, say what I say, and act how I act. Yeah, and if you know, the reason we're going through these marks, we're, we're working through these marks of a, of, a, of a biblical church. Right. The reason we're having to do that is because there's a sense in which this gospel yeah. that we're talking about is not being preached right. in the church. That's right. Because, and it, it's, it's worthwhile sort of settling here for a second, the message that we're um, sinners is of not. It's a very. Um, right. Uh, it's not in vogue. No. Nobody wants to hear. No. That's not good sinner. for your psychology. If I if I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right, that, that I don't that, measure up. That could create. It could make me feel unsafe. <laughs> right. 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 It takes me out of my safe place. Yeah, that's right. My safe space. Right. For you to stand in front of me. Right. As a guy with authority. Right. right. In front of a bunch of people, and say things like. Right. You know, we all, including you, are sinners. That's You're right. separated from God. Right. You currently are, if, if you haven't placed your faith in Christ, like as the world stands after the fall, right. without Christ, you're in a standing of guilt. Well, what about all the good that I do? Never, never mind the good that you do. Right. right. Generally, you are under yeah. the wrath of God without some answer to pay for that. That right. sin that's in your life. That's that's the ontological component. I am at that moment an object of wrath. Yes. That's what I am. That's and bad news. It's awful. Yeah. It's there, awful. I can't fix that. Yeah. And what, what most of the people that we interact with on a daily basis are getting, the messaging they're getting from the world, from media, from the arts, even from the university, yeah. everywhere, is that no... Jolly, you're not under God's wrath. You're 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 okay. Yeah, that's right. Man, just relax. Yeah. Don't don't criticize yourself. Don't say anything to yourself that would make you feel bad. Right. Because what you need the message you need to tell yourself is that you're okay, you're good, you're right. Whatever it is going on inside of you that you need or want to feel, right. It must be good. It must be good. It must be good. So just lean into it. Right. And I think the thing that makes me most nervous about that is that that now gets taught with theological language because atheism's dead. Atheism, yeah, right. atheism is so like having to disprove atheism yeah. is so dead because the end of that is so, um, well, it's so boring. 
Yeah. That's a big dirt nap. There's nothing past this. And and even your most ardent atheist has had to come around and go, well, there's not a lot of hope if that's the case. Mm-hmm. And so the world's left atheism behind. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a rich spiritual climate. But the, the God language gets tacked onto that, which mm-hmm. is why God loves you just like you are. Whatever your sexual preference happens to be, whatever your view of God happens to be, mm-hmm. God loves you and you are okay. And what happens is, particularly in the South, is that just gets assumed to be the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is a really bad assumption. Yeah. Yeah, so um, the, the, at some point in the day, the good news, and that's why you have to use uh, words. Yes. The, the good news has got to get to the cross. That's right. The good news has got to get to Christ, yep. Him buried, crucified, buried, and resurrected. That's right. That is the, the crux of the whole thing. It there, is. There has got, we're in, we, we've got the bad news. The good news is that we have the opportunity to have a right standing before God, yeah. but there must be a transaction that happens. Because yeah. I can't do anything about it. So who's utterly, going to do something? Utterly helpless. Yeah, absolutely. Who's going to come and, and fix this problem? Yeah, and that God has a name. Yes. He referred to him. To, he, he's specific. He's not just general yeah. God. He's the God of the Bible, and Jesus said he was that God. Yeah. So I'll read this real quick. This yeah. is First uh, Corinthians uh, 15, and um, Paul is basically helping these guys understand, you know, sort of what is it that I preach to you? Um, now I remind you, brothers, of the gospel. Yeah. It literally would have been, now I remind you, brothers, of the good news. Yeah. This is the good news. Yeah, I pre- the good news I preached to you, which you received, and in which you stand. I love that word "stand." Yeah, that's good because it brings to me mind. It brings to my mind a courtroom, mm. and you've got a person who's either standing in a position of guilt, right, and punishment, right, or you've got a person who's going to stand in a position of forgiveness and uh, not wrath and flourishing. Right. Paul is saying, look. You, you've received the good news, and now you stand. Like, yeah. you're standing in a position right. that's utterly different than the position you were standing in before you embraced mm. this good news that you accepted. Yeah. And by which you are being saved. So this good news by which you stand and are being saved. Yeah. Um, if, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. And he says, For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received. That Christ died, it has to get to Christ. It has to. The good news has to get to Christ. There's no good feeling, sort of the world's going to be okay, it's going to be all right, embrace your truth. No, it's got to get to Christ. And it's got to get to Christ died for our sins. Yeah. Like real bad things. I wasn't okay. I was not okay. So not okay, he had to die. He died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Yeah. The Old Testament talks about this. God preached it to Abraham. He preached it to Abraham. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, yeah. and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the Twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom um, who, you know, had fallen asleep. So basically, here's the point. The Gospel has got to get to a real man in human history yeah. who had to die as a sacrifice um, for our sin. Somebody had to pay the price for our sin. God could not simply overlook yeah. all the sins in the past. That would be there'd be no justice in that. 
no concept of justice. Flesh that out a little bit. Yeah, there you go. There, there's, there's justice. God's a God of justice. So he doesn't just pretend I didn't sin. He has to pay for it. Justice yes. has to be served. But for those in Christ, they don't have to pay for it. Right. Somebody, Jesus paid yeah, for it. Nobody, right? would have, nobody would look at a judge yeah. who takes, who's got a mass murderer in front of them and goes, you guys are going to love me for this. <laughs> Right. Because I'm so kind. Yeah. We're going to basically just tell this guy, look, we're going to show mercy on this mass murderer and all the, all the families that he's destroyed. And we're going to say, you're forgiven. Yeah. And we're going to let him walk. Yeah. And, and you know, what judge would stand up then and expect the world to go, yes. <laughs> you're the best. Mercy. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, everyone would recognize that as completely illegitimate use right. of, of power and authority and justice. Yeah, absolutely. God's got to carry out a sentence on the sin, and it's rebellion. Yeah. It's idolatry. It's like the greatest being who ever existed and his kind creation looking at him and basically going, no thanks. That's right. That's right. If God lets sinners walk without paying for their sin— he is no longer holy, and there's evil in him somewhere. That's right. He's not good. And we are utterly forsaken at that point. That, absolutely right. And then there, then all of humanity be that evil too. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, unbridled yeah. craziness. There's no, there is no standard. There's no ethical standard at that point. Yeah. Other than one you say we might create, mm-hmm. which people do. Well, we create the ethic, but we... That, that can't be possible. No, no. That's not even metaphysically possible, no. right? So, so the, the gospel gets to, eventually, the good news is that Christ came, uh, God himself, in the flesh, yep. as a man, came. Yep. And only he... I don't know why God created the world that he created, but he did. It, 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 I can't imagine um, that there's this world out there that I can kind of fathom. No, God created a world. Yeah. He created the world, the one we live in. Yeah. And in that world, from the very beginning, for some reason, blood had to be shed for the for the resolution of sin. Right. I don't know why. I've, I've asked myself that question and got <laughs> right. that question many, many times. Why did God create a world where sin, sin had to be accounted for by blood? Right. Well, we know in the Old Testament it pointed forward to Christ. But at the end of the day, right. Jesus had to die. And shed his blood. A perfect human being right. had to die. If Jesus wasn't fully divine, right. if he had sin in him, he couldn't pay the price for our sin. That's right. If he could, I could have done it, or you could have done it. Absolutely. Christ was, and again, this is like, you get into the weeds of theology, and guys have talked about this a lot, but the point is, Christ had to be divine Yeah. in order to... Um, basically be a propitiation or, or a forgiveness of or a, I don't even know the, the, the right word to use there, but yeah. for God to die on behalf of my sin and utterly wipe it out, right. he had to be perfect. Absolutely perfect. That's right. And, and, and good. That, that there would be no standard of God being good if he took somebody else to pay for my sin. Right. So God's goodness is tied to the fact that he himself he pays did. for what he demands. Yeah. So he is infinitely good. Yeah. At heart. So you can never question the goodness of God. Right. Never. So he was raised, yep. which manifests himself as the God-man. Yep. That's the proof. And then, I mean, Paul kind of goes on in, in this letter to the Corinthians after he describes all that and says, basically, look, if he didn't raise, if he wasn't raised from the dead, yeah. this is all a joke. Absolutely. It's all, it's all a joke. So the cross 
is at the heart of the good news. And any message you hear, any church that you go to, any system of thought, any system of belief yeah. that tries to give you the even the message of Jesus yeah. and downplays the cross, which is what most sort of middle-leaning, left-leaning Christians in the world today sort of downplay the, um, uh, the atonement part right. um, of the cross. If you downplay the cross, the death, the blood, the sacrifice that was necessary, it's not really the good news. That's right. It's got to have all that in there to be the good news. You have to get to the cross. And when we get to the cross and the resurrection, then, then you, have, you have this glorious message that the day you eat of it, you will die. Mm. Well, what's the solution for yeah. death? Death. Right. We've been singing a song, and part of the, part of the line is, He tramples over death by death. Mm. And so somehow God takes the curse and defeats the curse. It's like Beniah, one of David's mighty men. He mm-hmm. went down into the pit on the day that it had snowed, and he took the Egyptians on spear and killed them with his spear. That passage always takes me to, mm-hmm. to this gospel truth that God tramples over death by death. He took the Egyptian spear and slayed him with mm-hmm. it. If I ever have another son, which is, we're past that, he's getting named Beniah just for that purpose, right? But but there's this gospel reality that God takes the curse and he defeats the curse with the curse. Yeah. And then he rises, defeating death by death, tramples over it, completely wins the day, and then offers to anybody who'll believe that pardon. That's right. That's that's Keith. That's good news. Oh man, it gives me chill bumps. <laughs> you think yeah. you bring it down to real life, and you think about um, you think about the person who's been abused their whole life. Yeah, and they've they've made some bad decisions because of the awful experience that they've had. They were they were never really on a firm footing to make good decisions about life. Right. You take the kid whose whose parents have rejected them. You know they're. They they have they have they're trying to figure out you know who's going to be their parents now they're in the foster system and they no one will call them their own and just gosh story after story after story of the fallenness of this world that's been just fully born on the shoulders of people right and to know that when Christ was resurrected that day when he died for our sins and when he was resurrected for us that day he not only moved us from the category of of uh, wrath of God to heir with Christ, right. there's, there's um, implications for that yeah. in my life That's right. today. Yeah. It is not that I'm not going to go to hell. Right. It's that I am literally yeah. brothers yeah. with Christ that's right. awaiting a kingdom that's real right. and is coming one day. And is now. It, the kingdom has come now. There is flourishing for me in this life, regardless of what's happened to me up until now. Yeah. And if I have not embraced Christ, right. I haven't been born again. Right. The, the Bible uses that language on purpose. Right. It is literally a rebirth yeah, that's right. that occurs in me that basically looks back at my life and all the awful terrible things that have happened to me and the things I've done to myself right? and said, Thompson, today is a new day. That's right. And the, your future is filled with potential joy, flourishing. Yep. All the things that the fruit of the Spirit can offer you yeah. if you'll lean into yep. it. This is where you talk about ontology, right? Our being has shifted. Who we are is no longer yes. sinner or rebel at odds with God. It is now righteous, 
holy, perfect, friends with God, son of God or daughter of God, heir with Christ, brother to I mean, and, and then operating out of that, that identity helps us to actually have real yeah. healing because the healing goes straight to the source. It's not a fake ladder. The illustration you talk about, yeah. we're not climbing the wrong ladder at that point. Mm-hmm. We're climbing the right ladder, That's going right. in the right direction. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, I used to, when I was a kid growing up in the church, I, it just, I always thought it was just weird that everybody was calling one another brothers. You know, Brother Thompson's going <laughs> to pray for us at the close of service. You know, yeah. I always thought that was just strange and bizarre. Right. You read the Bible, it's biblical terminology. It's, it, it's right it is. for me to call you brother That's because right. there's something that is real that happened to me. That's right. When I got brought into the kingdom because I placed my faith in Christ right. and, and said basically, Lord, I've got nothing. I can't bring anything to bear to this transaction. I've got nothing. I'm lost. I'm utterly hopeless in the world without you. Yeah. And I come to you naked, empty, and I'm just begging you to bring me into the kingdom because I know that without Christ, it's, I'm, I'm hopeless. Yeah. And that kind of humility coming to the God that way, what it does is it ushers me into the kingdom. He puts a robe on me. Yeah. He puts a crown on my head. And he literally makes me brothers with yeah. Christ, which makes me brothers with you. That's right. Because you've done the same thing. That's right. You and I, because we've been literally spiritually born again, right. are brought into the same family. I am your brother. That's right. Marcia is my sister. I tell my kids, Caleb, I'm your dad, but in a in a more in a more real sense, I'm really your brother. Yeah. We'll be brothers for all eternity. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and there is our basis for real reconciliation among nations, among tribes, is that when birthed into the gospel, it's no longer Hutu versus Tutsi. Yeah. It is we're now a level up as sons of God mm-hmm. together. And that's a basis of real reconciliation between tribes, nations, races, and all people. Because at that point now, we're part of the same family. I, I, I say around here a lot, spirit is thicker than blood. Yes. There's a, when I when I was in um, East Africa in Uganda, I had I was in a culture just completely different from my own. I felt completely just um, there weren't that many missionaries in where I was, and I, I just felt like uh, I just felt out of place. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met a uh, a guy a Kenyan who was in Uganda working with the navigators. His name was Noel Awar, um, and Noel. The minute I met Noel, it was like. I felt like I'd known him all my life. Noel yeah. was, in, you know, he grew up in a, in a part of Kenya in sort of a mud hut kind of deal. But man, the moment we met one another because of our yeah. common ancestry in Christ, that's right. Man, we just clicked. Yeah. I mean, we. It was like there there was something supernatural that happened in that's, us. And mm. um, I, if I, I hadn't talked to Noel in a long time, but if I saw him today, yeah, we would never miss a beat. That's and we precious. couldn't have been. We could not have been different. Right in our cultures, right. in the way we looked, in the things that we've been taught as kids. Right, but man, we we really saw the world very similarly. That's right. Um, even though our, our backgrounds were really different. Yeah, that's huge. That's good stuff. Um, okay, Keith, we we got to wrap up because we have we could go on. The yeah. gospel's infinitely deep. Yeah. We even said it. In, in fact, the gospel is not only how we get to know God; it's how we are then disciple. Right. It's how we continue to get to know God and forever. We're going to continue to go deep in that in the eternal kingdom. So 
with with that as a backdrop, what's your last word? Anything last you want to say about about the gospel? Yeah. So the good news is just filled with hope. Yeah. The good news is filled with hope. Yeah. Um, I think about you know what my life would be like, um, you know, in the in the absence of the hope that the gospel brings. Um, it just you know I don't I don't know how people do it. Yeah. You know, I get I get that people they they we all because we all need hope so bad we we can manufacture hope right but um you know i believe that um that because of the fact that i've been moved from the category of standing in my sin under the wrath of god separated from him forever and separated from the flourishing that he promises for me in this life into a place not because of my own doing to where i am now you know loved by god accepted by god heir with christ lined up and positioned in a place where I can flourish yeah. on this earth. And even if I don't, I'm absolutely bulletproof as an eternal yeah. being, you know, in Christ. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's a standing before God as forgiven. I get heaven. I also um, get to be a part of a community of people who also are in that standing and can, um, because there's, there's just, there's implications of being in the kingdom for the church. That's right. Yeah. That we really didn't even touch on much. Yeah. And the flourishing and the light that the church ought to be because it's filled with people who have been born again. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I guess it's just, it's hopeful. It is hopeful. Regardless of what I see going on around me, it's just filled with hope. Amen. And I would say, I say absolutely amen. And if, uh, Two people that may stumble on this, uh, folks who are listening to us anyway, believers, just keep going deeper mm. into the gospel. Uh, dive into the text. And uh, it's infinitely deep, infinitely faceted, and it'll never disappoint yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And then if you stumble upon this, um, you're surfing the internet, and this happens on your feed, uh, how do you get in it? He who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. Tell Jesus you believe. And, and acknowledge what he's already done because he brought you there. You see it. And if you believe it, believe. And that's it. Keith, thanks for the time. It's yeah. been a pleasure. Enjoyed it. Hey, thank you for listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can email us at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with some feedback and perhaps some questions if you'd like us to tackle. We'll see you next week. And until then, deuces.